Danny Flexen, delighted to welcome back Lou DeBella for the latest edition of DeBella's Digest. We might as well just call it regular programming now. It's been going for around half a year, I think. So happy days. Sure. I mean, not, not in a wider context, but certainly for us every Wednesday. How are you doing, Lou? Other than I don't sleep, I'm fine. I'm, I've become like a vampire. I can't sleep. So um, other than that, though, I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I'm running on adrenaline and probably not my healthiest self because I am literally not sleeping, but otherwise I'm okay. Not in the pool this week, sadly for you, and probably a section of our female viewers. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. <laughs> I said you're not in the pool this week, which is sad for you uh -oh. and probably some of our female viewers. Actually, they're probably celebrating, actually. But uh, no, I'm not in the pool today. It's actually sort of overcast and yucky out. We had a bit of a, a thing. Well, not we didn't have a bit of a thing. I had a bit of a thing on social media with uh, female boxer Ebony Bridges. But we're going to save that till the end of this conversation because a few other stories have broken over the past couple of days that I want to get your take on first. And I guess the main one was something I only found out about earlier today, which is the ongoing saga between Golden Boy Promotions and the zone with Canelo kind of the tug of war prize in the middle of that dispute. And from what I read, and I'm certainly not close to the situation, it seems that the zone aren't entirely happy with the level of fights they've been getting from Canelo thus far for his guaranteed minimum um, stipend. Whereas Golden Boy believe they fulfilled everything they need to and, and want their minimum once again for the next time Canelo fights. You know, I think that when they made the deal with Canelo, they bargained, they thought they were bargaining for Triple G, and they didn't, they didn't cover themselves adequately contractually. And I think it's a thorn in their side to a huge extent that they haven't gotten that fight. And, um, and they bought some shitty Canelo fights, but then again, they also bought fights where they paid a fortune for the opponent. So, can you? I mean, was Rocky Fielding an inferior fight? Hundred percent. I mean, I, I mean that never that didn't that wasn't justified by thirty thirty five million dollars for that. But it's hard to argue that Danny Jacobs and Kovalev weren't big fights when they paid double digits of millions and were involved in negotiating the fights themselves. So that surprised me a little bit by what I read this morning because I know DAZN was in, you know, very involved in those fights. That being said, are any of those fights really a major? Now, in the old days when Canelo was on pay-per-view, I still think that Kovalev would have been a pay-per-view, and I think Danny Jacobs would have been a pay-per-view. So it's hard for me to say those weren't meaningful fights, but they're not Triple G. And if the point here really is that I needed the locomotive of Triple G, I think maybe that's what's between the lines, that I never bargained for spending all this money and not getting the, the Triple G fight. I'm guessing that's my, get, my best guess because I, I'm not in the middle of this and I really have no knowledge. But then surely they should have specified Triple G rather than premier opposition or whatever the term was in the initial contract. I mean, I think that, it, that I, I haven't seen the contract, honestly. So it's hard for me to comment without knowing what exactly the language of the contract is. So I don't want to go there. I think there's always been, I could tell you this as an ex-television executive, there's always been a rub between promoters and television entities or media entities over opponent approval and equality of fights, et cetera. 
Um, because even when we had opponent approval, when I was at HBO, it would be arguments a lot of the time. Um, I also think sometimes you make an argument when you're as part of a negotiation. You know, we are in a pandemic. There are no gates. I mean, it affects Canelo and Triple G to a huge extent because where Canelo can generate a double-figure million-dollar gate, I mean, you're leaving that money on the table when you fight. So, you know, and that's money that's not coming, you know, potentially not coming back to the zone or the promoters. So it might be just this position as part of a negotiation, but I'm really not in the middle of it, and I haven't seen the language, and it's hard for me to comment on it. Though I will say that when you pay, you know, double digits of millions to an opponent and you give them multi-million dollar guaranteed fights if they lose how do you argue later that you did that and it wasn't a premier fight now by the way maybe you were wrong and it wasn't a premier fight yeah. because the, the 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 worldwide audience didn't react to it like a, a a big 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 fight but that's sort of like 2020 hindsight you know but i don't want to get in the middle of something when i'm not looking at what was you know what's on paper etc my gut tells me this is an ongoing negotiation yeah, I mean, the other issue is that there were all those rumours circling not too long ago about the zone having internal restructuring, about there being issues financially, whether they wanted to remain in boxing, whether the parent company wanted to remain with the zone as a going concern. And then this breaks. I don't think right now there's any reason to think they're not going to remain as a going concern. I don't. I don't think they're going away. I think they have a lot invested in this, and they've also performed pretty well in a number of markets. But certain markets are not among them. They have not performed very well in the American market. And I definitely think there is going to be a recharacterization of what's important to them. But that's what businesses do when they have to force to adapt to the marketplace. Um, you know, now that the Zone app is being marketed and, and sold as a global app. So I think they're going to have a much more global approach. Um, and it certainly appeals to me that they're not going to continue to throw good money after bad um, on the U.S. market. Not to say that they're disappearing. I don't think they're going to disappear from this market. I just think clearly, clearly there's a readjustment in the works because it's self-evident. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is the WBO, and more specifically, a couple of mandatory contenders who have um, been told, one officially, one mooted, that they're going to get their shot next up. And the way this prevents potentially some uh, undisputed title fights taking place, one being uh, well, Jack I mean, Castle, look, look, I got to be honest with you though. Uh, if they're going to do this, just do it fairly and across the board. I'm not, I, I'm not someone that stands in opposition of mandatories. However, the problem is these organizations can pick and choose what they impose and what they don't, and they do it most of the time. And generally, to be honest, it's a bigger issue when they're allowing unifications and stuff because a lot of really quality opponents have to sit there and wait for way, way too long. But right now, I sort of think what the ratings organizations are doing most of the time is what the money dictates they should do. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one because we all want to see the mandatory contenders, if they've earned their position, get their shot. But as boxing fans, when that um, desire gets in the way of seeing Spence Crawford, as an example. I mean, not in this case, but in, well, in this Crawford's case, Taylor, Taylor Ramirez. No, but it's not. Taylor, well, first of all, if you believe that, it, it, look, Taylor Ramirez makes zero sense with no crowd. Period. Stop. <laughs> if Bob fucking wanted to make Taylor Ramirez right now, you really believe that the organizations would impose mandatories and cock block it? They might be doing Bob's bidding. You don't know. The fuck, you think he's Mother Teresa? 
I mean, I don't blame him either, by the way, because if it's economically not viable, it's not viable. So, you know, I mean, look, you're not going to argue with a, a mandatory. You're not going to argue against the mandatory. If you're in a position where doing the fight that can't happen is not financially viable anyway. So my gut tells me if we were in a normal world right now and they could do, they could do Ramirez and, and uh, Taylor somewhere that they could do a multi-million dollar gate, I believe the fight would happen. And I don't think the mandatories would stop it. I mean, look, let's face it. Who has power with you? I can't even get a guy in the, I mean, who has power with the organizations? It's who can make them money at that point in time. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I really, you know, look, I don't think it's a big deal that a mandatory is being imposed on Taylor Ramirez, frankly, if that's what's happening. I don't think that's a big deal because I don't think it's stopping the fight. I think the fight's not happening because there's no gate. And, you know, right now Ramirez just fought and it was a tough fight. I actually thought it could have gone either way. Um, Taylor has a fight ahead of him, right? A mandatory coming? mandatory. Okay, he has that coming. Um, but I don't think you're going to see them fight each other in an empty room. I don't buy that. And is it a similar situation then with Joshua and Fury? I mean, Joshua's already got a mandatory, hopefully by the end of this year against Pulev. And now the WBO are saying they're probably going to impose... Joshua and Fury is not happening in COVID world. I said that six months ago, five months ago, four months ago, three months ago, two months ago, and last week, Danny. And I still believe it. Josh Rivera is not happening in COVID Six world. months ago, fact, did you still think we'd be in COVID world now? Um, I don't, I, you know what? I didn't know what to think. I still don't know what to think. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people, maybe we were overly ambitious, maybe we were naive, but I think a lot of people thought we'd be out of it by now, or at least coming out of it. Yeah, well, I mean, nothing surprises me anymore. I'm, you know, and hey, come on, Donald Trump's my president. Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not your president. He's the no, not my president, president but he's, he's, he is the country's president and over here, and nothing surprises me anymore. Well, there's an election coming up. I don't know if you've heard, so I'm sure you'll be hoping that he gets thrown out, although the latest prediction was he's going to uh, lose the popular vote but win the Electoral College. Is that, is that in line with what everyone's saying? I don't know, man. I'm at the point. I mean, why is there even an electoral college? That's a whole other argument. Um, yeah. But but uh, I, I don't know what the predictions are. I think we're. I think we've set up a very dangerous. Um, really, the Demo- What the Republican Party is trying to do. I don't want to get the politics, but to get very brief, what the Republican Party is trying to do is basically say, if you don't want, uh, you know, you got to reelect Donald Trump to solve the problems created by Donald Trump, you know? Um, and, and, and right now, the whole climate of fear and hate and distrust that exists in the United States, Joe Biden's not president. It's not, I, mean, I mean, to sit here and somehow try to blame this on the party that's not in power is pretty weird. You know, but that's neither here nor there. Very Let's similar to, to British politics. Hey, hey, I hate to say this, but when boxing's more makes more sense than than the world does i'd rather talk about boxing yeah i don't blame you well let's talk about the debate that i had then with ebony bridges we alluded to it earlier um it was uh, last week i think we filmed it end of last week um on seconds out i don't know if you've seen the full video or just the clip that was posted on twitter Uh, but we basically talked about the effect on women's boxing of 
selling sexuality, basically using sexuality as a marketing tool for female. Okay, but, but, but how many, let me ask a question. Is sports part of the entertainment business? Yes. Okay. How many physically unattractive leading men are there in, in, in the movies or television? How many physically unattractive leading women are there in, 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 you know, in television? How many unattractive pop singers are there, relatively speaking, to the giant like number of pop singers that are out there? I mean, we've always look sell, sex sells. It's part of, of, of the just how people think and what people respond to. And women have gotten, a sh in my mind, an unfair shake. They get paid less for the same jobs. They get way fewer opportunities. Um, uh, it's a double-edged sword being an attractive woman because on one hand, unattractive women are even worse off by statistics because they have a harder time getting hired and getting opportunities. But then attractive women who do get hired and are good, people are constantly saying that their success relates to their attractiveness. And, and if the woman happens to have dresses, you know, well and or provocatively and has is, is let me use the, the, the vernacular, is hot, um, it's a double-edged sword. Like they're taken less seriously, but maybe it also does create more opportunity. But you know what? I'm of the belief that I completely understand why a woman in boxing right now would be able, would want to take advantage of anything they could possibly oh, yeah. take advantage of. And here's the bottom line when it comes to Ebony. And I like Ebony. Ebony and I have, have chatted. Maybe that's a little bit why I came to her defense this week because I, I, I've gotten to know her a little bit. Um, she takes boxing seriously. She works very hard. I haven't seen her in a meaningful fight because she hasn't had one yet. Like I said on Twitter the other day, it's going to become obvious pretty quickly if she can fight or not. If she can fight, then her sense of humor, her sex appeal, her boobs, all that stuff that people are complaining that she uses to her benefit, if she can fight, fuck it. She should be using it to her benefit. And if she can, if she can fight a little bit enough to be a contender, she, could still be, she should still be using it to her benefit. And if she can't fight, and, and, and if she can't fight, yeah, that's when it's not – that, that's where it's not great for the women's game. It's not great for the women's game if a woman that has no talent, that's not able to compete, is getting opportunities because she's good looking. Now that has happened. It happened more when I was first in boxing 25 and 30 years ago because the talent pool was much weaker. Now the talent pool is strong. But look, I remember Mia St. John had to put up with a lot of shit because she sold sex appeal. She's a good looking girl, good looking woman now, but always been a good looking woman, but she was good looking, super good looking as a young fighter. And she was in Playboy and she used her sex appeal to her advantage, which I had no problem with. But then when Mia had to show that Mia needed to fight, Mia was a warrior and Mia, and Mia threw down. So Mia, in, in my mind, Mia proved herself in the ring. And at that point, so what? She wanted to use sex appeal. She was attractive. She used it to her benefit. A woman, you know, and, and here's the other thing, Danny, you're not the kind of person, like, I don't see you out there making comments, derogatory comments about women's looks. But I've been on social media and up in women's boxing to see where comments have gone up there about someone looking like a butch lesbian or a dyke or ugly or this or that. And so, like, what... I mean, people look like what they look like. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be ripped apart for not being particularly physically attractive, but you also shouldn't be diminished because you use your looks or sex appeal as a marketing tool.
And by the way, Oscar didn't look, use his, what made him the golden boy? It wasn't just the gold medals. He looked like a movie star. I mean, what makes, why does Ryan Garcia have millions of social media followers? Yeah, he's a good fighter, but believe me, there are fighters just as good or better than him that don't have anywhere near those kind of followers. So sex appeal, look, uh, demeanor, uh, whatever you can use, whatever might be particular to you that makes you stand out and makes you more marketable, well, why not use it? And I don't really believe that I don't buy into the argument that until a woman starts making a lot of money when she's clearly inferior to her opposition and doesn't belong on TV, the women that, that, that are professional or, you know, had amateur careers and are turned pro and work hard or whatever, if they have the ability to use sex appeal as a selling tool in this marketplace, considering how badly women are getting fucked, by the lack of opportunity and the lack of any sense of fair pay, et cetera, if they're going to use looks to their advantage, um, God bless them. And they will, like I said, at some point, whether or not they fight and they can fight is going to be self-evident and they're going to have to deal with that, whether or not they're able to use their looks to their benefit. All right. I'm going to have to work out a way of not letting Ebony see this video now. <laughs> I have a feeling she'll find her, her, her way to it. I have a feeling she'll be delighted, <laughs> but that's fair enough. You know, but I want to tell you something about. too. And in fairness to Ebony too, I mean, I follow her because she's amusing and it's not just the looks or the boobs. It's how she has fun with it. And like, you know, I mean, some dude that's trying to pay a, a, a female to send dirty athletic socks <laughs> is, is sort of, sort of grotesque to me. However, I do find it amusing that she sold them. I, I, I thought it was hilarious that she did it and I don't blame her. And then talked about it. I thought it was funny. She has a sense of humor. The girl has a great sense of humor. And she's obviously bright. She's not a dummy. Um, you know, I thought her interview with you was, in, like, on both ends, I thought it was an interesting watch. Um, so, you know, until I have a reason not to be, I'm a fan of hers. That's fair enough. I'm not going to fall out of you over it, Lou. No, and, and by the way, we can have, like, you know what I liked about that interview, by the way? I liked the fact that you respectfully stated your position, and she did the same. And you actually had a back and forth where you clearly didn't agree at all, but there was a back and forth that was at the very least respectful with a modicum, with, with some intelligence. You know what I mean? And, 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 and part of what we got to do in the world today also is we can disagree on shit, but let's be civil and and human and intelligent about how we communicate. Because also I think that I have a feeling she, I, mean, I, 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 you know, I think she understands your point of view. I don't think you're, you're coming from, I don't think you're totally a hater. I get what you're trying to say, but I also really believe that boxing like every other sport is a subset of the entertainment business. You know, Dame Lillard, Damian Lillard might be the best, in my mind, he's one of the best couple of basketball players in the world right now. And he's certainly one of the biggest stars in, the, in, in America. He happens also to be a pretty good hip-hop artist. I mean, he's talented, right? That's a big plus for him. And I think that helps him. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys wearing Dame Lillard gear, not only because he's a great player, because he's a great player, he's a decent, nice guy, carries himself like a, 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 a really good human being, and he... You know, he's also a, a rapper and a hip-hop artist. And if stuff, like, if you have those, those, extra, those extra added qualities 
that make you more attractive as an entertainer, then you got to use them to your benefit. And I mean, I, I get, I get the argument, uh, uh, and I get even the feminists that take it in my look. I, I think a true feminist would say a woman has a right to do whatever the fuck she wants and and, and to sell herself however the fuck she wants. Now, I, I, there are some others I've heard that take that position. Well, this is again, you know, no, it's really not because honestly, men have always used everything they have in their arsenal to their advantage. Women pretty much have always done the same, even though their opportunities have been more limited and they've had to face a lot more bullshit than we have as men uh, historically. Um, so I'm just not troubled by it. That's fair enough. I look forward to the day when you rush to my defense on Twitter over something else. There, I mean, if I agree That's with it, you, I'm just no jealous. That's all it is, really. I'm just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Your affections have gone to another. No, it's fine. You're still welcome back next week, Lou. It's okay. We're still friends. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be planning on it. I'll be planning on it. Anything Great else stuff. before we, uh, we jump off? Anything else going on in boxing? Anything else over there? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. I want to leave people with, though, and this is nobody's fault, really, but it's gonna it's gonna fuck up the apple cart. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna. The fights a lot. Some of the fights we're not seeing weren't gonna happen anyway. But there absolutely are fights that are gonna be delayed because of COVID and the lack of a crowd and the lack of that revenue stream. But you're gonna see some major fighters gonna get knocked off the pedestal for a fight that we didn't even want to see. Now, you know, that happened to, you could argue that happened to Dillian, though I always thought that Povetkin was risky and I, I never really understood the fight. But I think you're going to see more of that because a lot of fighters now are training and preparing for fights that are more the booby prize. And then those fights are going to be fought in a very weird environment without a live crowd, without all the usual bells and whistles. You're going to see more fucked up results as the, the quality of the fights improves. Well, that's a somber note to leave the audience on, but appreciate it. Maybe, but it also leads for entertainment because upsets are entertaining, you know, but I, I think you'll see, you know, there, there are going to be some fighters that just maybe don't get quite up the same way for a fight that they really is more of a keep busy fight or, or, you know, you're treading that line between not wanting to do the huge fight but not wanting to do a really shitty fight. So you do a fight like a Povetkin and a Dillian White, where, you know, obviously that wasn't a horrible fight on paper. You know, Povetkin had, had a, uh, you know, always had a puncher's chance in that fight. He's always been a strong guy and, and a top contender. Um, so I, I just think you're going to see more upsets as the quality of the fights get better. Great stuff. We'll really appreciate that, Lou.